Welcome to the Analyzation Show, hosted by me, Anastasia. You may know me from the journalism world, comedy, or maybe even some sort of leadership convention from high school. I've always been a bit of a hobbyist, so here we are. My hope for this show is that you'll walk away with inspiration, laughter, and maybe even a little knowledge. But I can't do it alone. The first guest on my show is comedian and actor Kadani Kaladi. Kadani had actually reached out to me about doing an interview regarding his upcoming one-man show, which will soon have its off-Broadway debut. And I said, sure. The problem was, I didn't have a platform for that interview. And I thought, why don't I have a platform for that sort of interview? So here we are. But that's enough for me. I'm going to hit it over to Kadani so he could tell us all about his show. Okay, we are the hot, we're the hot mess express, but we got this. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm here good. today. I'm here today with Kadani Kaladi. I'm so excited to talk about your one man show. Tell me what it's all about. Tell us the name. What is going on here? Nice, nice. So the name of the one-man show is Between Me and Them, written, performed by yours truly, directed by my mentor and stand-up comedy friend, Susanna Spees. And pretty much in short, this show is a coming-of-age tale about a young guy who is trying to figure out himself and, you know, the life that he's kind of navigating around. However, the story is told through a series of therapy sessions. So it's an autobiographical comedy told through a series of therapy sessions that kind of hit on body dysmorphia, bisexuality, heartbreak, and daddy issues. Those are all topics that really, you know, get us fired up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, uh, you- but very excited. It is very exciting. And I, I love just seeing you embody all these characters in your life. Thank you. Like who, what characters did you Ooh. think were so central to the show? Like, why did you pick some of these people? Because, you know, you've lived a life, you've had a lot of different experiences and you okay. play these characters so well. Why did you choose some of these characters in your show? And who are some of your favorite to play? Wow, I think that's a great one. So if we can just go to even the poster illustration for the show Between Me and Them, which shout out to my very good friend over in Argentina, Luciano, who did a fantastic job on that poster. But there's four, you know, kind of character silhouettes that you see there. And those are those four themes of bisexuality, body dysmorphia, heartbreak and daddy issues. Obviously, these are all if you will, kind of quirks that we as human beings have, but what if we gave them actual personalities, you know? So these are real people that I'm playing out. Body dysmorphia is quite in short, not so nice person, very unapologetic on where he stands, super judgmental, a little cold at times. Daddy issues is someone who is a extreme alcoholic who is quite bitter and, you know, jaded. He's almost like Nevercracker from Monster's House. Bisexuality is, you know, almost like this young, rebellious, like early 20 year old who, who, you know, really wants Kadani to be able to fully accept himself because I feel like 
all of these characters really can't live without him, right? So every one of them kind of pushes buttons in certain ways. And, you know, they kind of come up in the mix of the therapy sessions that I'll have with, you know, my therapist, Dr. Allen, and they'll intervene even, you know, like, oh, Kadani, no, he's, he does not know what he's talking about, but let me tell you what's really going on, Doc. So, you know, all those four characters specifically really run the show. <laughs> And beyond just the, you know, the mythical characters, I'll call them, you have a lot of specific people that you highlight in your life, too, that you highlight as these characters. Why is it so important to embody these people through your lens and telling your story? Wow, I love that. It's valuable because obviously another, you know, very poignant theme in the show is mental health. And that was something that I really wanted to hit on. Obviously, it's taking place, you know, in the mix of therapy sessions. But I, I had to become, become them in order to understand them. It was almost kind of like that thing, like, you don't really know about something. You know, you really can't talk about it unless you've been through it or lived through it. So, you know, for me and myself, you know, you know, even going back to even stand up comedy, I don't really think I'm over said something or, you know, a certain topic or situation doesn't really reign true to me until like I really figured it out. So I'm like, what bigger way to, you know, and for this terms, you know, figure out these certain insecurities or why I'm having them even. Why not be actually become them and give them life so they can speak in their most transparent way? So I'm like, you know, kind of taking this outer body look and trying to understand like, oh, that's why, you know, I kind of act like that or this kind of comes up at certain times, right? So that's why it becomes valuable playing these actual hangups and, you know, just having, you know, certain personality types that embody them, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. So, Kadani, you and I met doing stand-up you are an actor, you are a teacher, you have a lot of tools under your belt. Tell me why solo theater? Why did solo theater draw you in as the medium to tell the story? Man, well, I I definitely would say I love solo theater purely because I don't think you can get another feeling like it doing anything else. Like I couldn't, I don't get this feeling doing stand-up comedy. I don't get this certain feeling teaching or, you know, just doing regular straight play or musical. Doing a solo show, you have to wear so many different hats and it takes a certain level of vulnerability, meets concentration, meets insanity uh, to get it done. And, you know, once it, you know, once it's finished, it was, it's so raw and almost slightly addictive that you want to kind of, you know, do it again over and over. So that's what kind of drew me in. My uh, my main inspiration for doing it was, you know, I just moved to New York City, you know, as a stand-up comedian and, uh, and theater actor. However, I didn't have an hour of comedy material. You know, I feel like as a stand-up comic, there's an underlying pressure of like getting that hour done and completed. However, I just didn't feel like I ever had enough time to really talk about myself. You know, I, I felt like I had a lot of complex things that I wanted to hit on and, you know, a certain five to 15 to 20 minutes set even just wasn't enough time for me to figure it out. And as someone who just moved to New York and an equity actor, I was like, how can I put these two things together? And then what better way than to creating a solo show? So how would you describe this show in six words or less for, you know, if you wanted to pitch it to someone to come out to get to see it, hopefully we'll all get to see it. Definitely. 
if I can say, okay, this show in, in six words or less between me and them is bold. It is cathartic. It is hilarious. It is a retrospective. It is deeply psychological. And yeah, I would definitely say enlightening, especially definitely enlightening. So there you go. And, you know, you talk, you know, you bring up a couple of different like counter ideas, right? You talk about like mm-hmm. comedy, catharsisism, and these things do exist together. But in your show, I mean, they really, it's like the sad is with the happy. Like these things just exist yeah. in kind of the same plane. Why was it so important to have that comedic relief throughout the show? And also, why was it so important to deal with these issues with so much depth. I mean, the the marriage between the the serious and the fun. Where, yeah. Why was that marriage so important for this show? Well, I think that's how we kind of deal with life, right? You know, I definitely think we as human beings are def- are flawed for sure, but we can't allow certain things like that to hold us down, at least not forever, especially if you want to make a change. So you have to look at certain things with this certain lens of, you know, humor to it, at least for myself, obviously, as a, a actor and comedian, that's just how I've always kind of maneuvered through life. But in this facet now, Obviously, our main character, Dr. Allen, even is our our therapist who was inspired by my actual therapist that I had during the pandemic, you know, who actually helped me kind of figure out, like, you can laugh about these things, but let's actually work through them, too. Right. So I'm finally I found those connections, those two connections between actual practice mental health meets humor, you know, and how those two kind of intertwine are obviously seamless because I've, I've done it for so long. But now, you know, with therapy, I have this certain level of confidence and emotional intelligence that really just just make it work out really smoothly. So it doesn't come off, you know, too cringy. It's not supposed to be extremely sad. The show is, once again, I want to say a celebration, especially with the, you know, the ending scene there to kind of highlight that. So I didn't want anyone to feel victimized or, you know, you know, ashamed or anything like that. This is hilarious. Or I I think that it's definitely very funny and it's very real. You know, every this kind of stuff happens to us all the time. You know, I love how empowered you are through the show. Really, you know, there's a lot of queer identity and there's a lot of a lot more representation now than we've ever had. But there still does seem to be some level of a gap between that representation for the bisexual community. So why was it so important to cover that and embrace that in your, in in the storytelling process and how was that process for you? And why is it so important for this to be a piece of work that also helps bridge that gap? I mean, gosh, where do I even begin with that one? Obviously, my journey into mental health had really started, I want to say just as a touch before the pandemic happened, really. And then especially in the mix of it for me. And I learned so much of, you know, my my own hangups around bisexuality came from, you know, this level of, you know, shame meets, you know, a low self-esteem. And 
gosh, did I think that was so still not me because I'm I'm someone who would always come up with this, you know, confidence flair or, you know, someone who is very, you know, cheerful, optimistic. But, you know, at certain times, these kind of, you know, things came up for me. And I think the huge thing for, you know, bisexual people like myself, or at least this is how I feel, I feel like there's always been this need to constantly validate myself you know, as far as like, I'm not sticking to just, you know, sexually being attracted to, you know, a woman or a man, like there is a, I have my whole ass identity set in, you know, my own truth in knowing that I can have both. I mean, preferably not at the same time personally, but you know, that is very much so okay and to live in that and not feel so pressured in, you know, societal norms or even in my own kind of internalized biphobia to pick per se aside, you know, because you feel kind of awkward or underrepresented, you know? So that's why I'm like, okay, when it came to this show, I didn't want bisexuality to just be like kind of wished over, give this person, <clears throat> excuse me, a whole identity because you know, he is so much of me, which is so weird to say doing a, a solo show. But yeah, like I wanted bisexuality that his him, he is so God unapologetically himself, which I think ideally as Kadani, I'm like, that's the level that I want to be. So let me write that person out. It's almost like a love letter to my my fullest and truest self, that's who bisexuality is supposed to be. You know, he's not someone who's going on there talking about all of his sexual sexual escapades. He's more so less almost like Kidani's hormone monster, you know, in the mix of me trying to figure out who I am. It's like, whoa, whoa, you don't need to do that. Like, wait, you don't press the gas pedal. Just like women, you know, men also want a little bit of a chase. You know, there's certain lines like that that, you know, add the humor to it all, but also, you know, this is something that we deal with, you know, for bisexual people. And I think that's the the greatness in that. It highlights that so well without making it feel weird or corny or cringy or anything like that. And honestly, he's one of, you know, I want to say the protagonists of the four, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking there's two protagonists and there's two antagonists, bisexuality and heartbreak being the two pro in this. Thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing to see this transformation you go through your entire life in this show in this show you really you cover uh you know I don't want to give too many spoilers but you know you cover this experience (laughs) of moving from South Florida which I'm familiar with I live here but then moving to Georgia and then moving back why (laughs) was that such a critical point in your life and why was it Uh so important i mean there's a real there's some great characters that come out of that time period especially in the show but why was it so important to highlight that and why was that so critical in your journey of growth i think because of that exactly it it was and is one of the i think the most profound things that happened to me growing up obviously being also from South Florida, I went to a charter school for most of my life. And, you know, I had this certain group of friends that I've had from like fourth all the way until eighth grade. Like I was popular, but, you know, in a mix, like my parents wanted to move finally. And it was so tough because I just remember like I, I'm leaving behind my life and, you know, having to let go of something that I was so attached to and then to go to a completely other uh, state, I, it was a culture shock for one. I, you know, growing up in Lithia Springs now, 
Like we didn't really have sidewalks. So I'm like, well, what the hell is going on here? There was coyotes in our backyard. I had a chihuahua and I had to worry about if he was going to get taken. Like there was so much there. And then, you know, I was going to a public school now and that was a middle school and I moved in the middle of eighth grade. So these are people who already had friendships from elementary and whatnot. And here I was, this dude who came out of nowhere, you know, I had, you know, kind of kids coming up to me like, where are you from? Why are you talking like that? This, that, and the third. So I, I felt like like an outsider. I felt outcasted, which was rare for me. I never felt like I fit in in Atlanta, which led to, you know, me wanting to move back. And, you know, my family, God bless them, really affirmed that for me and validated that for me. And we moved back to Miami and thus, excuse me, South Florida. And, you know, the same thing happened again, where I was kind of back home, you know, excuse me, back alone again as the new kid on the block now in my middle of my 10th grade year. So it was, uh, I don't know, this idea of constantly uprooting, you know, myself from certain situations I've learned in in therapy has been one of my self-sabotaging kind of quirks that I'd had. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely had to talk about that, you know. You end up playing a lot of different characters when you move around a lot. How has that inspired your mm. acting journey how, wow. What kind of characters have you played in your life as you've met these different people? And how is it, <laughs> you know, how, how do we see it all come back today? Well, it, that's funny you say, because I think one of my favorite scenes is in the in the show is the scene with Miss Potts, American history class, who is was was one of my, my American history teacher in Georgia. And she was this really just one of a kind woman, you know, I just have never met anyone like her and her attitude. And, you know, the students that were in my class, like I said, I wasn't really friends with any of them. And since I was so new, I'm all, I was always just watching everyone kind of interact with each other, hoping someone would, you know, kind of say something to me, but I watched all of them and how they kind of interacted. And I was like, these guys are absolutely nuts, but you know, a piece of me obviously wanted to make friends. So I would start to kind of pull some of that in and, you know, try to to fit in essentially. But, you know, obviously certain times it would feel a lot more uncomfortable than others if it wasn't too true to me. So navigating that space around, you know, staying true to myself was a very poignant thing, but I definitely have met quite a few eclectic groups of people and friends who have shaped me and who are easy pulls for characters that I play in the show or, you know, other stuff that I've auditioned for. Uh, I think another valid point is another scene I auditioned for, excuse me, I tried out for such a theater kid, the basketball team. And as a scene that another one that's really important in the show, because Coach Hickson, ironically enough, is an actual coach that I had when I moved back to Florida again, you know, during my 10th grade year. He's this guy who had a really strong voice like out here and like a big belly. And I'm like, you look like a fucking gym teacher for sure. And would sell like donuts to everyone. But, you know, fast forward to the Parkland shooting that was happening. He was actually one of the, unfortunately, teachers who had passed away trying to help save lives during that time period. So that was an homage, especially to him for being such a just uh, a heroic hero and someone who I had seen in my life, you know, kind of impact me. So there was just something to touch on there too. I would, I did not make that connection at all. And I mean, what a beautiful homage and what a, mm. what a nice love letter. This whole show is a love letter. I think to, it is. to yourself, to the people in your lives, you know, what has been just your favorite part about 
performing it so far and going through all these different people who may be still with us, maybe are not with us. You know, what has that your favorite part of that been? I think my favorite part indeed has to be, I want to say essentially the talk backs that happen, but more so or less, there's certain, I want to call them vignettes that happen in the mix of the show where I kind of come back to just my truth, myself as an individual. And I speak about either what we just seen or what I'm about to show you almost like a, excuse me, a, a vignette, if you will, or a small monologue, almost like in Shakespeare, where he kind of discusses what's going to happen or what's about to happen. And in those moments, I'm able to look people directly in the eyes because I'm talking to you. And, you know, when I can actually watch someone look at me and, you know, I, I can tell when someone's very immersed in what they are seeing. And those moments for sure stick with me. You know, this is a love letter for myself, but I can't lie and say that, like, you know, hearing some good laughs and whatnot kind of happened in the mix definitely helped reaffirm that, you know, so I think our our show that we did in L.A. at the L.A. Connection Theater and back in April 20th was a very poignant one because the first one where I actually spoke at the end of it. And, you know, just having certain people come up to me, either giving me a hug, you know, and these are some friends that I've known for years who are like, did that really happen to you? Or, you know, oh, my God, I, I couldn't believe you went through this or like, this is so awesome that you did that. So, you know, so many people who have known me for a while don't feel like I I guess they really knew me, you know, quite at all because there was so many times where they just felt so, you know, in shock even, you know, because, you know, they never knew that these things were happening or I was kind of dealing with this. So in those moments, I felt so, so seen <laughs> in short, you know, those hugs felt real. Those, you know, those cries that they kind of, you know, had in the mix of the show afterwards felt real. Like you feel me, you know, 100%. You know, it's past just the stand up laughs and jokes like this is who I am completely, you know. So at the end of that, and you can still kind of say, what's up, got me up all this time. I'm like, I rock with you, bro. So that was I think that's my favorite part, like getting that feedback, whether it be in real time in the mix of the show or afterwards. You know, I see you and I hear you and I love you, you know. For the people who don't know you as well, what do you hope that they take away from the show? Mm. Obviously, they get to know you really well, but throughout the show, so they do know you at the end. But what do you hope that they take away, walk away with? Wow. I hope by the end of this show, they walk away. Honestly, I hope that they walk away feeling like whatever things that you know, they never told anyone even, or just very few people, whatever it is that you feel like is kind of holding you back. I hope that this show helps you relinquish that grip a little looser, you know, if that makes sense. Like, I I just think that this show took so much out of me, you know, and to be able to put out, but now that it's out, it's there and we can perform it, it's done. And, you know, I kind of want to keep that kind of train going, you know, um, un, unveiling, you know, whatever sort of ideas around, you know, shame, if you may have it, or body issues that you may have, or identity issues, or, you know, gosh, just any of that. Please, 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 I hope that I unlock a certain facet of that to make you feel comfortable enough to either say it to someone else out loud, or just find that acceptance within yourself, because this one is a 
And the show is a big, big testament to that. So if you could bring anyone in your life to therapy, who would it be? <laughs> because you have these scenes where you're, it's like you're kind of like a dad character, daddy issues with, yeah. with going to therapy. I've There's been times in my life where I'm like, my I wish I could bring family members to therapy, but they think it's all, you know, it's all whack. They think it's like, you know, older people don't believe right, right. If there's anyone who you could maybe in a group session bring with you, who would it be? <laughs> Who would it be in a group session? Oh man, I'm bringing I'm bringing my mom, both my dads. I'm bringing the whole family on both sides, honestly, with me in the the center. I don't think I would say a single word in that therapy session. I don't think I would get an actual word out without a rebuttal. But I and God bless whoever the therapist is. But I definitely would love to see like a a group session with like all of my immediate family in it just to kind of have them ask or say whatever the hell comes to mind and have a therapist like okay i hear you coming from but let's kind of shift some of those words (laughs) just to see how they kind of react to it and uh, you know this is something that i just have noticed as an observer because i've seen your comedy i've seen the show Mm -hmm. and and your glasses are an are like an important identity thing for you. Yeah. And I think that that's a very interesting thing because it's kind of like, they're like your Lord of the Rings, the ring. Like there, it's like your, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you know, take us through why being able to show like, you know, to show your own vision why your glasses have always been such a, you know, one of these mythical objects they use in your storytelling. You talk right. about, you know, you talk about it in like when you're a kid, they're like four eyes, whatever. But it mm-hmm. has been a part of your identity that I've just seen across your different works. So yeah. why, why is that? Why is it important? And, you know, for all of us four eyes out here, you know, give us some advice. <laughs> I'm in contact I mean, now, but. <laughs> I know, right? Love yourself, Anna. No, I definitely have to be on the con- contact game too. But yeah, as a little butterball kid, I've always, I've always had the glasses. And I mean, I must say they always look good, but I just feel like, you know, people can't help but to say something when you have glasses. It, it's just, it is a staple point for me because without them, I, I'm like a completely other person. I get that so often, you know, physically, you know, when wearing contacts as opposed to glasses. I remember, and this is, I guess, a good way to put it too. I remember, you know, doing stand up when I first got started in LA, I was doing it at the comedy store and you know, I've been at this certain, I've been at the store for a little while and like, you know, there's no real rules within stand-up. Like there's no teachers, there's none of that kind of stuff. So like, I just would always book these shows and it, you know, I I get my tickets sold and I, I do my sets. And there's just one day where I went up there and I didn't have my glasses. I, I forgot what happened and I bombed. And that was the first time, like, I would say, I, I want to say I bombed just because of the fact that just things weren't hitting the way they were, they used to, or I just felt off as hell. And I remember getting off that stage and my head was kind of hung low. And it was the first time really the, you know, producer had talked to me and he was like, what happened? I was like, I don't really know, man. And he was like, the glasses, you gotta have the glasses. And I was like, you're right. And that was that moment of like, this is my Superman. Like, this is like my cape. Like this, you know, it is, 
it's a thing that ironically enough, I talk about supplying the lack of confidence, but it is me at my most confidence. Cause I, I know I, it's always been something I've been comfortable with, but you know, in that way, you know, people perceive me much like, you know, differently. So I had to think about that as a performer. So I'd always include my glasses in my bits if, you know, it's in my set. Now, when it came to, you know, this show, I, I obviously feel like every, you know, kind of moment we kind of play out, I've always had glasses and, you know, there's always going to be someone in an audience that wears glasses who appreciates, you know, these small slips of, you know, everyday glasses stuff that people have to go through, whether it be hearing certain, you know, stereotypes or breaking glasses or dropping them, this, that, and the third. So I, I definitely had to put that in there. Yeah, I know it's a little bit of an oddball question, but it's one of these things where like I've just noticed as an observer of your art that that's something that you tie to. And it's true as someone viewing, you know, viewing your work as someone who does have to wear glasses. It's like we say like it's an affliction. I mean, we're all blind nowadays with our (laughs) screens. Um, But it is it, it does. It is one of these things where it's like even at a micro level, I think you connect with the audience on a lot of different of their Mm. own like insecurities and, you know, just awareness of themselves. And I think that's such a kudos to you. Yeah. I mean, also, I think glassography is a huge I I mean, I appreciate that in the film so often. I, you know, as far as acting goes, I felt like there's so many choices you can make with glasses too. how you kind of want to come off as far as a class scale. But then also being, you know, tied to and it's Dr. Allen's line of, you know, wanting to take a closer look inside, obviously wearing glasses kind of taking that lens and putting it close to you was very a direct thing to want to obviously include me having the glasses on for that reason as well. You know, seeing things clearly again, if you will. I love that. Get it done. You have, you have definitely gotten it done. So what's next for the show? What's next for you? Obviously you can't predict the lifespan of a project, but what is, what is your hope for what's next for the show? What's your hope for the lifespan of the show? And then yeah. what else can we expect from Kadani? Okay. I Well, I can definitely say now that I my show has been selected to perform its first off-Broadway debut with the International United Solo Festival. Yes, over at Theater Row, which is on October 13th. So Friday the 13th at 7 p.m. And I am just so so excited for that we have a wonderful kind of press run that's happening and you know this is a huge festival there are people flying in from all over the country to kind of come out and you know do so i definitely feel very honored to perform and i'm excited to see what we get from it honestly to kind of build some accolades there uh outside of the festival i'm definitely looking forward to taking the show back to los angeles again to perform and hopefully some other venues so if you know anyone in chicago we're definitely trying to hit up chicago i definitely want to hit up you know the atlanta scene because this show is poignant but more so i'm i i see this show going on like a school tour college tour for sure you know, like I said, this is definitely not something I don't feel like it's just made for a certain group of people. I think there's definitely a lot of learned lessons in here for sure, especially for our young adults out there, young adults of color, young adults, queer of color, even. So getting this show out there to actually, you know, do what I put it out there to do, which is to help and, you know, enlighten others. And those facets is definitely a major goal for me. 
I am also in the works of writing another another one-man show, which I'm excited for. I just got accepted into the UCB diversity program on a scholarship. So I am looking forward to working with them, fleshing out some more fun characters so we can introduce some more interesting people, you know? And outside of that, we are hitting our comedy hour within stand-up. That's definitely a, a learned goal for me within this new year. And hopefully some more theater too. Always going, always on the move, you know, kind of, kind of keeps these gears kind of running. It's always yeah, a solo you, show and it's mine. <laughs> you got to keep the muscle strong when you have yeah, to have man. as many tools in your belt as possible. So sure. um, before we wrap up, uh, you know, I watching all these characters, yeah. the Mrs. Potts for me was very, was very special. Could you give me mm. some advice from Mrs. Potts, from the view of Mrs. Potts? <laughs> Life mm, advice awesome. from Mrs. Potts or a different character yeah. or a different character. Okay. If if you if they wanted to pop in and just give us some advice on, you know, how to be a better person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. And the name was Anna, correct? Yes. <laughs> Anna, so thank you so much for coming in today. Dr. Allen, pleasure to meet you. I would say to answer that question for everyone out there as well, it is very important for us all to try to maneuver through life with a, a lens of compassion and understanding. We have to remember that everyone at the end of the day is always kind of dealing with something and you can never know when or what. So it's always in our best interest to try to be a little bit kinder. We are in a world which especially now more than ever needs it. And if anyone does kind of believe in karma. Well, you better know it'll come back to bite you in the assets. All right. Okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we got a two for one. You know, actually, yeah, before we one go, there. I want to know, has your therapist, do they know about this show? Have they seen it? And what did they say if they did? Or what do you think they would say? Oh, my God. This is so crazy. So my therapist at the time, I do not have anymore. So I have not showed them the show. They have not heard about it whatsoever even since i've moved to new york city i'm i'm wondering i'm not wondering i'm definitely going to tell them when i go back to south florida again and to perform this show which is definitely a goal of mine to take it back all the way back to where it all started and invite them to come see it with their with their partner which is my goal and hopefully if, if we can get some accolades on there they might be like oh, okay i'll show up but that's exactly <laughs> that's 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 definitely the goal to get our inspired dr allen to kind of see this live and in person so i mean i was inspired just by you being dr allen like two seconds ago so i mean i, I really would <laughs> love to hear their He's reaction yeah, yeah, I mean, that sounds a candid guy. Yeah, I mean, mental health matters, and it's well, you sure. know, I really, I, I think that the show underscores a lot of things, but that's definitely a big thing. So before we end, yes. I just want to know what you know. We talked about a lot of different stuff in this yeah. conversation. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to address about the show, about you, about living your best life? 
Okay. I want to say, let's see here. One very poignant thing for me within this show has obviously been about finding, you know, this common ground with knowing I will not be perfect. No one will ever be perfect. But I must say, I would hope that very, very, very soon or in the mix of this show and its process, I can reach that level of unapologetic, like, mentality. I, I, I still think that that's something that I have a, a, a really, a really hard time kind of finding, you know, and sometimes even, you know, having to remind myself that, you know, it is definitely a process that's not meant to be done in like a year span or two years span, or three years span even. But it's ever it's ever moving, man. And it's ever changing. But you must, must, must always remember the small little, little victories that we have in the mix of this. And I definitely want to say that this show is a very big, but a small one within that facet for me. So please, especially for those who are in New York City, come out to see this show. It is a a spectacular piece. We are trying to sell out this venue for those who want to check it out. Tickets are on sale at United Solo's official website or on Theater Row's website. My show does perform towards the latter end of the festival. So just scroll down a little bit to find me number seven on the list. But I hope to see everyone there. Well, lucky number seven on Friday the 13th, you know, they could come and get their their little stick and poke tattoos and then come fresh yeah. afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Please bring it all. Bring it all in. <laughs> well, Kajani, oh, thank man. you so much. I, I mean, I can't wait to get to see the show in person. So yes. bring it back to Miami. Well. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. And I mean, um, everyone come watch Kadani's show. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, thank you so much. And I appreciate that. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. And that's all for now. For more info about Kadani's show on October 13th, please check out the episode notes. And if you like what you've heard so far, or even if you didn't, subscribe for more episodes. I'm sure it'll get better. I promise you won't want to miss it. Bye.